We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I want to take a minute and talk to you about the Transformative Leadership Summit that is coming up in two weeks. That's awesome. And uh, I'd love for you to join that and be part of it. You can go to transformativeleadershipsummit.com to check it out. We're going to have a great list of people as part of uh, the Leadership Summit this year. Bob Sanju, Jennifer Abrams, Bill Ziegler, Nick Fisher, Tom Braddock, and a whole bunch more. It's going to be fantastic. We're going to talk about the way to improve the school experience for the four different stakeholder groups, administrators, teachers, students, and parents and community. And I think you're going to really love it, and it's going to take your leadership to a new level this year. So go to transformativeleadershipsummit.com to sign up. Welcome to Transformative Principle, episode 183. I'm excited to have Pia Rio Suhonen on the podcast today. She is a Finnish educator, and we hear all the time about Finland, and so... I thought it'd be good to talk to someone who actually teaches over there. And so that's exactly what we do today. I think you're going to really enjoy this. We talk about how school is set up and um, some neat ideas about how to support kids and do some cool things and the value of waiting and letting kids experience play in childhood. So I hope you enjoy this. And also we're about... Two and a half weeks from uh, the Transformative Leadership Summit, and it is coming along nicely. I'm very excited, and I hope that you have been able to check out TransformativeLeadershipSummit.com and signed up to attend that and share that with your friends, because that is going to be an awesome conference. So enjoy this interview with Pio Suhonen, and one day I'll get that trilling my R's. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am very excited to have on the show today Pirjo Suhonen from Finland, and I can't remember how to pronounce the actual city where you're from, so why don't you start by telling us where you're from, Piro? Okay, thank you for that. It's uh, Pirjo from Pori, Finland, from the west coast of 
of Finland, about three hours from Helsinki, facing Sweden. There is a really nice uh, beach called Uteri in uh, in Pori, so you are more more than welcome to visit Pori one day. All right, that sounds awesome. So um, I'm going to try to not butcher your name too much, but I can't trill my R's quite that well. So appreciate your patience. And uh, um, I'm excited to have you on the podcast because here in America, we always talk about how amazing education is in Finland, that you guys have the best test scores and, and all that. But I'm excited to talk to somebody who actually lives it. And tell us a little bit about uh, what you do over in Finland and what your education system's like? Okay, that's a big question. I don't know where to start, but let's start <laughs> what I do. Um, I'm, um, I recently finished my uh, master's on educational technology, and uh, therefore I got really interested in MOOCs, Massive Open Online Courses. So I created a MOOC on Finnish education, And um, you ask me, what are the schools like? A lot of times people ask that, that why are they good? And I think it's the, well, mainly it's the teachers. We got, all the teachers need to have master's degree. We start school, like the formal school, when the kids are seven years old. We have hardly any testing and quite short days also. So in other words, we really give a lot of value to childhood and play. And I think that's the secret to kids' motiv- motivation to study and um, creativity and innovations. So why is that the secret to their desire to study? How does respecting their childhood help them want to study more? Well, if I um, compare it to some places that that if you start formal schooling at four, it might mean that it's they're not ready for it yet. They're not ready to sit still and do exams or reading and writing. We prefer to let them play and explore. So, uh, And when they seven years old, they start school, but school days are really short, four to five hours when they're in year one and two. So that way you don't kill the spark and joy of learning when you don't push it too hard at the beginning. Okay. So, and then as they get older, what does the the longer school day look like? Longest school day looks like, I think when they get to year five or six, I think they have about 20 hours a week, but I, I'm not completely certain about the hours, but they five, six hours a day and there isn't a huge amount of homework either. That's what makes it special, and that's why a lot of people um, are interested in Finnish education because we we are still um, ranking well in OECD PIMS and uh, what is it PIMS and TIRLS. Mm-hmm. And uh, the difference is that we don't like in Asia they might have really long days and study at, on Saturdays and perhaps have private tutoring on top of it. Yeah, but we yeah. do less, and we do believe that less is more so what are you what are you focusing on in that time like here in the states most of our schools have like a three-hour block where they learn literacy as young as kindergarten and usually that's first grade so that's five and uh, six and seven year olds and then what is the focus Uh, three hours here for literacy and an hour and a half for math and then there's not much room for a lot else at that point 
you're talking about preschool. You were saying years when they five, six, and seven year olds. That's right. Yes. Yeah, that uh, still means preschool in Finland. They go to preschool when they uh, six years old, and they start school at seven. So preschool, they have four hours of preschool every day. But that preschool means that includes lunch, going out, stories, then some circle time of maths and maybe play, playing with the letters, numbers, etc. But it's everything included into that four hours, including PE, art, music and everything else. It's a bit more like a introduction to the school and different subjects. But uh, of course, in kindergarten, we... We also play with numbers and and everything else, but it's um, there's a lot more play. We we do believe in learning via playing. What do you think is the benefit or focus of that learning by playing? Do the kids just figure things out on their own, or is the teacher there close by to guide them to the correct understandings? What does that look like? How does it help? How does play help? Well, that will help them to become creative problem solvers because when they play, they actually process the data they learned that day or any other day. And uh, when they get to play, it's more self-motivated learning also. So, um, and there is circle times, etc. when you do perhaps do, do something else, but we just believe in the power of imagination and creativity, and um, that's the only way to innovate something, that not just having data in your head is not enough. You need to have that power of create something new, and you need to practice that also. That was great. I was just taking notes on, on what you said. Having data in your head is not enough. You need to have imagination also. I think that that is really really a powerful approach. So as you've gone through the educational system, what made you want to be in education yourself? Oh, that is a funky question. I actually asked that from the teachers uh, when I interviewed them for my MOOC. I had an excellent teacher when I was at year five and six. We had combined uh, classes and he was just really inspirational and fun teacher. He demanded a lot, but he gave a lot. And he also gave us responsibilities to go with the privileges that he sometimes gave us. But um, I actually, I got a uh, Bachelor of Social Services. And uh, that's what I wanted to do when I was 20-something. But already when I was studying, I realized that it's the preventative social work what I want to be doing, like fix the problems before they become huge. And when a young person is completely marginalized, try to stop it before the snowball effects gets too big. So then I thought that, well, that's the best way to do it is in education. So therefore, I I did my um, 
preschool qualification in um, University of Turku. And now recently I continued to do my master's of educational technology because I'm fascinated about both of them, technology and education. Yeah, and we were talking before we started recording a little bit about a design factory that uh, that you went to. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think you hit on a powerful thing about how to communicate across great distances in a more natural way. Okay. Yeah, because I think we started talking about it when I said that it's um, it is a small world and we should learn from each other. And uh, with technology, we can make that small world even smaller. And um, there is plenty of free technology available. And uh, I visited this uh, design factory in Espo. By the way, they got an award for their work because they're so innovative. And um, they have this coffee room where they have, I hope I'm not lying here, but I think they had like four or five computers on the coffee room. And they had Skype open, if not all the time, most of the time. So when you go and have your break, instead of just having a chat with the people in the coffee room, you can have a chat with someone in Alaska or Mexico or China, wherever that Skype connection is. And I just think it's brilliant. Instead of just having a formal meeting at certain time, um, Friday afternoon, 5 p.m., we have one hour to try to solve this problem. You can just have a chit-chat about everything, like how is your project going, and really support that informal communication, because very often that is the key to something new. Yeah, and then you start talking about how that would look in a school, and how do you envision that happening in a school? Ah, yeah, I'd love to try that in a school, that if it's not possible to have it open every day, that perhaps have every Friday or every second Friday afternoon or or something else, a Skype connection to open to another school, and that way to just leave it to the kids and see what happens. Perhaps a little observation is needed so that they don't go and say completely yeah. silly things to each other. But um, I would be just really curious to find out how that that could uh, enhance global uh, learning and just making connections to another. It's a bit like when I was at school, we used to have pen uh, pen pals to England or something to improve yeah, the language yeah. and get some sort of a friendship going. But uh, here you could maybe, who knows? I mean, they could start sharing songs or languages, whatever. Leave it to the kids. Sometimes it's best, so best to just to step back and see what happens. Yeah, you know, one of my favorite experiences from when I was a teacher before I became a principal was we did a uh, poetry slam when I was in Utah, and uh, we did it with another school in Oregon. And so uh, middle school students, I was not, I'm still not very good at teaching poetry, but we had a poetry slam, and each week we would spend time writing our poems, and then we would perform them for the other classroom in Oregon, and they would perform their poetry for us. And 
it was amazing how much more interested my kids were in learning poetry and performing poetry once there was a different audience. When it was just the kids in our class, there was very little engagement and they didn't really like it. When it was somebody else in a different state, then they had a much different approach to it and really wanted to be part of it. So it was a very neat experience to be able to to see that happen. So, you know, opening up your classroom doors virtually is a really powerful thing that that anybody can do. Indeed, indeed. And I bet they were excited. I actually, I taught kids uh, coding and not just coding, but they teaching coding to other classes. And um, they getting each time they've done it, every time they improve in their performance. And they taught about, I think, over 200 kids now, including their teachers, the basics of coding. So I think it is a powerful way to to do it. It's just more exciting and and I think it also shows that if kids can teach coding, then no one, it shouldn't be too difficult for anyone to take that first steps into programming. Yeah, absolutely. So would you talk a little bit about the MOOC that you have created and, and tell us more about that and what we can learn in that? Okay, well, I tried to, um, since we have a new national curriculum since um, 2016 autumn, I try to offer the topics that are that very often hit hit the media and sometimes are misinterpreted also, like uh, phenomenal learning and that is very often the media. It says that Finland is getting rid of subjects completely, which is not the true. That we uh-huh. do try to combine subjects together more, but we are still teaching mathematics and arithmetics and literacy, etc. And um, so it's I intro- introduced the national curriculum, but just a little bit about the theory, just to get a little background on it. But more so, I wanted to um, give an uh, insight into Finnish schools and Finnish teaching. Because um, I actually, I used to teach in Belgium, in, in Brussels, in one of the European schools. And uh, some of the teachers came to visit the Finnish schools. And they just said that, well, it's kind of pricey to fly all the way to Finland and difficult to organize all the visits. And one of them said that, hey, Piri, why don't you create an online course and just open the doors for everyone by photos and videos? Which I, of course, replied that, yeah, right. And <laughs> here I am. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's trying to give an insight into Finnish schools and best practices that because the curriculum we have a very broad core curriculum and teachers have a lot of autonomy and a lot of uh, flexibility how they implement it in schools. So through text, videos, photos, I try to show them how is it done in in the classrooms and schools. So can you tell me a little bit about what it means to be a broad national curriculum with lots of autonomy and how to implement it? Are you saying that the curriculum is is big and that you can't possibly teach everything, so you choose what to teach? Or is it more the curriculum is very broad and then as a teacher you get very specific on what you teach? 
good question. It's uh, the core curriculum is broad because um, it gives you the guidelines, kind of a framework. What you have to, what are the goals in in national level, and this year there are seven competencies that the curriculum needs to reach, and um, it's basically human being. I got them written down. If you want to hear, thinking and learning yeah. to yeah. Le- learn skills, cultural competence, interaction and self-expression, daily life and looking after oneself, sustainable life, multiliteracy, ICT, entrepreneurship, participation, influence, and the construction of sustainable future. So those are the competencies. We don't just talk about skills because it has to be a wider competence what we give to kids nowadays and um, there is the framework and then the teachers have to sorry there's the national level curriculum and then it's the city side the cities have to decide what what is specific in their city what are because they know the best what those kids in their city need and then it's the school level because teachers know the best the kids in their schools and in their classrooms, what they need. So then they can draw more guidelines that, okay, I think our kids need a lot of entrepreneurship so that they can get get rid of that idea that uh, someone is com- coming and offering them a job on a silver plate, plate yeah. that they yeah. sometimes have to create it themselves. And while they at it, maybe they um, create job opportunities to their friends also. So it's a national level, then it's the municipality level, and then the schools. So teachers are very strongly building the curriculum also. So it's it's more bottom top rather than top to bottom level curriculum, if that makes any sense. Yes, that certainly does. So with those seven competencies, are those all the way from the first year of school to the last year of school, and then they're defined what that looks like at each level? Yes, yes. So to be clear, you're teaching entrepreneurship skills to kids as young as seven years old? I would say even younger, but it it doesn't mean that we're teaching them how to become a startup or how to set up a business. It's more about the entrepreneurial mindset and taking risks and making mistakes and trying again and perseverance and we got to finish word sisu and that means courage and perseverance so it's more about the mindset that never give up keep going you'll get there eventually yeah well that i think that is very cool because those are what most of those core competencies that you mentioned were not didn't have much to do with specific subjects. And I think about how powerful that is. You know, for me personally, I didn't really care much about history or or math even when I was going to school because there was no meaning to it, you know? And so now that I'm older, I have a much greater desire to learn about those things and understand my own personal history and the history of the places where I live that I just didn't have when I was younger for 
various reasons. But, you know, I just think that it's really powerful to be able to learn those other skills that are, I think, much more difficult to teach, but so important for kids to learn. Yeah, I think those competencies, when you really pay attention to the competencies, it gives you the reason why you are at school as a teacher or as a student. Why are we here? Why, why do we come to this school building every day? The reason is because we want to improve ourselves and get the toolkit to survive in the future. Yeah, that's really powerful. That was a great interview. I really enjoyed talking to her and learning about what they do in Finland and speaking to someone who's actually doing it. Very neat to talk to other people who are doing things differently than us. And I think uh, if we can move towards those kinds of core competencies in our framework for learning in our core curriculum, there could be some pretty powerful things happening. So thank you so much for listening. Please share this with someone else. Next week, we're going to continue talking with Pierdigo and how to teach perseverance and how to help kids fail more often in a safe way that they will want to continue trying. So in, look forward to that next week. And don't forget to sign up for the Transformative Leadership Summit at transformativeleadershipsummit.com. Transformative Principles is a proud member of the Education Podcast Network. Podcasts for educators by educators. Visit edupodcastnetwork.com for more great podcasts. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.